You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm like, I've been really creative. Don't question me. Do you like this productivity? Yes. Something good for ya. To this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting across from me, as always, is the beautiful Captain Nye. I like how I'm beautiful every week now. Well, you've got, your, you've got your long hair. Yeah, folks want to play. The, all the girls want the hair, All man. the girls want to play with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. No, I'm kidding. And we have returning podcast alum, Mike Phillips from the Gabba Gabba Hun Network. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. So glad to be finally getting back into the swing of doing weekly episodes yeah. <laughs> is this your uh, first podcast in the new year um besides the one i did yeah 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 for sure yeah but i, I took a took a little break too and uh getting back at it what man what caused that because at least like kind of when we rolled into quarantine and lockdown we were just like super like all right we're gonna do all the things we're gonna do mm-hmm. all the podcasts we're gonna do so we've got all the time in the world and now it's January, and we're like, all right, now we're starting to do the things we were talking about doing last year. <laughs> well, we doubled down on the Patreon content more than anything. We definitely doubled down on Patreon, yeah. So that's kind of what we did, but you kind of took the reins on your show big time, too. Yeah, I just kept putting out episodes up through um, the beginning of December. Your episode yeah. was my last one that I did. And I think I did like a radio episode in between then, but I just I wanted to take the end of the year off just to kind of decompress a little bit yeah and i thought it would help me get some projects done but it helped me start a bunch of projects that i'm still in the middle of yeah um but also the news just kept me occupied some and i didn't get as much done as i'd like to do but i'm gonna try to finish up the zine soon so that's the Mm -hmm. the next issue of the zine should be coming out soon yeah i was gonna say how many issues of that do we have so far uh just the one that i put out last year besides the original two that came out years and years ago um but it's just one of those things i've got half of or most of it written right I just haven't found the desire to put it all together yet. Did you feel like you had to double down on the podcast with everything going on? Yeah, well, it's uh, finding the time for it along with the podcast, I guess, is the biggest part of it. Yeah. And also, I think a lot of people are also understanding when it comes to the uh, design part because, again, it's not like we're really going out to where someone could see it, like at a bar exactly. to pick up. So, like, you gotta also have to look at the business at standpoint of why pay for a big run of them mm-hmm. if – you know, you're only going to be mailing them out to your Patreon members or, you know, people that, you know, send you some PayPal to cover shipping or whatever. Yeah. So, and then the next, the next issue that I put out will probably be a little bit different. Like I, I will print some of them mm-hmm. and send some out right. and maybe do some mail order, but I'm really I'm planning on putting it online in a way that you can just either read through it mm. or you can print it out and, and, and cool. have it set up to where you can print it out yourself. Hell yeah. That'd actually be really cool. And then, then when we can start going back out again, I plan to start handing them out at shows again like I was right, doing right. back you know early last year before everything came to a halt yeah I, I definitely want to make sure uh, you, you continue that on because that was one of the fav- that was I kind of always wanted to do a Zine or you know mm-hmm. magazine type thing but it's like 
I knew I could never like dedicate enough time, thought, energy to really do it justice and make it worthwhile. It's and a so lot of work. <laughs> it is, but it's like you do such a good job at it, and you and I can tell you have such a passion for it that like I genuinely got excited. I'm just like, yes, we have a new like little local magazine that's not fucking you know QC nerd. Well, I was gonna say no, they do fine. I was gonna say that's not fucking like a uh, creative loafing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I saw a QC nerve actually at a. Uh, I went and did a uh, pre-record uh, live stream thing at Petra's, mm -hmm. uh, the, and they had uh, QC nerve issues. They're already starting to put out uh, street news, yeah. You know, at uh, places I guess where people are doing this kind of thing. Well, now. They, well, they're doing a pretty good job. They kind of took the place of what com, uh, Common Market um, Creative Loafing was doing, and God, it felt like yeah. Oh, I remember now. They even had a battle with Creative yep. Loafing. That's what it was. Yeah, because Creative Loafing rolled up shop, quit doing their print, and Nerve purchased. They actually they had like the proof and everything. They purchased those boxes mm -hmm. and repainted them as Charlotte Nerve things and then Creative Loafing as soon as they decided to start doing print again started taking them out and putting but their no, magazines yeah. back in. It was dirty. Yeah. But the thing is is like uh, a positive for Nerve is they definitely got in the political lane yeah. uh, especially when um, oh, uh, yeah. when the Charlotte riots were going oh. on. So it almost felt like they've now kind of pivoted mm -hmm. to more of like a, a social magazine than yeah. more maybe music based. So it's like they're still doing great things, but like they kind of started as more music, but now they're more social. Social, but it's fine because they found that lane yeah. and they're getting the support. So by all means, run down that. We also need it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but unfortunately, that was also the thing we were kind of looking forward to. But now we don't have it. So Mike, you have to save us. <laughs> Deliver it's, us the music tr news. Trust me, it's they coming got in. The social. We need the music. <laughs> and I'm sure there are a lot of bands out there that, that put out releases like six and seven months ago, wondering where their reviews are. They're written. They're just, they haven't been published yet. <laughs> hey man, you're, you're totally fine. You're not the only person in that boat, Johnny. I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah. Say nothing. <laughs> but it's, it really is a matter of just having so many different projects going on at the same time because I'm still, yeah. you know, Van Huskins is still going on. We can't play shows, but we're mm -hmm. practicing. We're writing new songs. Um, I'm starting an archival project where I'm, w w part of the project is my first band, The Style and Johnny Appleseeds. I'm going to make a, a cassette box set. Ooh. And it's also going to be online, but it's going to be like a real limited edition cassette box set. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, like a bunch of old North Carolina bands, I'm just digitizing seven inches and cassettes and stuff. And I haven't really started putting it online yet, but I'm working on building it up before I do that. Oh, that's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I saw little glimpses of it because you uploaded, um, a few YouTube videos that you kind of mm -hmm. are labeled as the archive and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I've started putting some of it out, but like a, some of the bigger stuff I want to hold on to for just a little bit. It's right. just, it's one of those little projects I work on a little bit at a time here mm -hmm. and there. And so I'll, I'll make a little bit of progress and then, the podcast will come up. I got to edit a podcast. Or yeah. I'll make a little bit of progress and then all of a sudden something else catches my attention. Oh, let me put this, <laughs> let, 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 let me digitize these videos instead of these seven inches. This is what my friend uh, Mark calls squirrel brain. Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I always say I've got like 15 different projects going on at one time and, Oh, but the, the I don't the, know anything about that, <laughs> but the podcast always kind of has to take precedent because right. I, I've got, I've, set myself up with the schedule. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it out this time, this mm -hmm. week, you know. And, and I, honestly, this year, I'm probably going to do it a little bit slower, at least to begin with. Like, I probably won't put out an episode next week or, well, this past week right, when this right. airs. 
But um, there'll be one out the week after that. So I might do every other week for just a little bit, just to kind of give myself time to sort of finish up some of these projects. No, and that makes absolute sense. And it's like, uh, you wound up uh, going on it longer than we did. Uh, We wound up kind of dropping off doing new episodes around September. Mm -hmm. And it wound up just kind of being because we just kind of ran out of steam. It's like, yeah. it, we, it felt like we were doing so much, so much, and then had nothing to really, at least for me, it's like, felt like I was doing so much and then had nothing to really show for. And it just kind of like got to that, oh, fuck. All right, yeah. God damn, I just, uh, I don't, I, we have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Like, it was getting to that point. And also people weren't coming over. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I love having a guest on the main show. And it's like, I was sitting here, I, I had real talk with Kappa one week. I was just like, man, I said, do you think if we sat down right now, we would talk for anything more than 20 minutes? Yeah. I said, I really feel like I've got 20 minutes of conversation in me. That's it. Because we like spend so much time together as it is doing Patreon content and doing everything in our creative outlets essentially together as well. Well, yeah, because we wanted the Patreon to be like, so like focused on certain things and we like this just being conversational. Yeah. And there was just nothing to really conversate about anymore. Yeah. Well, and, it because, just, and it was just kind of one of those where it's like, yay, we still had content we were releasing every week anyway, but just that's why the main show just kind of died down because I, don't, I at least just didn't want to force it. Right. Cause it's supposed to be a hang show. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and that's why I thoroughly enjoy, especially getting someone like you on because you were so awesome to hang with because I get to talk to you on so many different kind of aspects that like interest me because you're a musician, musician, but you, podcast, podcast, but historian, then, but, but I was going to kind of go <laughs> down that one because we didn't go down that route last time. We talked about, you know, Van Huskins a lot in your podcast. I've started noticing a lot more people crediting you for photos mm-hmm. and now you uploading videos. Like, was that something else that you were kind of really doing back then is like kind of showing up to shows with a camera and kind of documenting things? Yeah, back back in the 90s when we were playing, I would bring a camera out to shows, not all the time. I, I've, I've realized looking back through my photos that certain shows I would have a whole bunch of pictures for and then, you know, nothing. Yeah. But um, it was just like a little, little 35 millimeter camera and mm-hmm. I'd take it to shows and I'd take some pictures and if we'd play, sometimes I'd hand it off to somebody else and ask them to snap a few pictures. So I've got yeah. a few of the accidents at the house and, and, and some of the, my other bands. But um, it wasn't really anything I did intentionally back then. It was just I just wanted some pictures to kind of yeah. remember the moment from. And, uh, you know, back then you'd take a picture and you wouldn't know what it looked like until, <laughs> until like three days later when you got it developed. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of pictures that look like crap. And then I've got a bunch of pictures that are very similar because I just take a bunch of pictures and hope that some of them came out well. Yeah. Um, but, no, and, and I just thought that was pretty cool because, it, again, kind of what you said is, you know, nowadays we've we've got, you know, high quality cameras in mm-hmm. our pockets that we can immediately pull out and, you know, capture the moment, whether it be photo, video, whatever, and it'd be great. But like for you to do for you, the imperial you to do that back then, you had to think about it and pre-plan, OK, I'm going to bring a camera and I'm going to do this with purpose. And I just thought it was kind of cool that even though you were kind of saying, like, I didn't do it intentionally, quote unquote, yeah. there was still something in your head that was just like exactly what you said. I want to capture this moment. Yeah. And I do find it really cool just the people that get that sense, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel like I need to capture this. There's not a lot of people doing that, you yeah. know? Well, that's like uh, me and my friend Matt were talking about how we just, we've always wanted to document everything. And so that's why, like, I've got a box full of old flyers from my old bands and just things, that like ads that we made for cassettes that we sold five copies of. Oh, yeah. But we've got three or four ads that we made for them, you know? Um, but we, we, we wanted to always keep that stuff and keep a, a, a memory or keep, keep a record of it. And even mm-hmm. today, like... Me and him both still work on things that document the scene and document 
what happened back then and what's going on today. Just, yeah. you know, I, I just feel like there needs to be a record of it. And it's not the kind of thing that, that you can really go back and find. Like that video I posted of one, three, four recently. Yeah. That's something that I've had for 28 years now. And, uh, or however long I can't it's remember. It's just never seen the light And it's just day. never, you know, I've watched it a bunch of times, but nobody else has seen it. Even, even the guys in one, three, four probably didn't have a copy of it. They, yeah. I probably sent them one back in the day, but it's probably lost or something. Yeah. And they've probably completely forgotten about it. And so it. then I've uploaded it and Mike's like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's, I kind of hope to do a little bit more of that. You know, I don't have a whole lot of stuff, but I do have, I, I do have a lot of CDs, uh, cassettes and records from back in the day. I just, yeah. I've, I've always been a collector. So I've held on to all that stuff. So a lot of the stuff I have, like some of Johnny Dick's old bands. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that stuff anymore, but I do. Yeah. So I'm digitizing that stuff and then I'm giving it to him. So he'll have copies of it. Right. In the process though, I'm making my own copies, my own physical copies. Cause I don't want my cassette collection to not have those old enemy and 17 exactly. day cassettes in it. <laughs> <laughs> you hold on to the masters. You make copies for people. <laughs> well, no, I'll give him the masters. He can have, okay, he can, he can okay. have the masters. I'm going to keep the copies because it's, it's his. Yeah, and I want true. him to I be able it. to pass it down to his son. And that's right. I feel I like he you. needs it, you know? No. And, and that honestly is a good feeling. I've only gotten to have that experience once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but, uh, and hopefully I'm going to get him on through a zoom call soon. Uh, but one of the songs on our record, uh, thinking about you, mm-hmm. uh, that was a song by a guy uh, named David Devine and the Black Stars. And David Devine used to sing in the Marky Ramone band. Okay. Uh, Marky Ramone's band came through Amos's years ago. Um, and David was on vocals, a guy named CJ Gunn on guitar, Marky was on drums, and I was there that night, and Clayton actually got up to sing Blitzkrieg Bop with them at okay. the very end. Yeah. Well, Mom was it totally enamored with David. And like he he really did fit like the Joey vibe. Like he had the long hair. Mm. He was kind of tall, wiry, and like that. And like we we're up front just cheering and going and going. And like he like looks down, like catches eye with mom, and he goes, "This one's for you, baby. It's called She's the One." Like that. So you <laughs> yeah. know, she immediately she's just like. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so you know after the show he winds up kind of hanging out because of course he's just appreciative of people liking it he has no fame you know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and through that we wound up kind of like connecting on MySpace and he had his own band and he released two songs that we really liked called Love Be True and Thinking About You yeah. and I had just always loved thinking about you and we were getting ready to record the new record we were we always like picking like one deep cut cover song to throw on Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i was kind of going through stuff that maybe not a lot of people know and i ran across that and i was like oh my god i've not heard this in forever oh shit i still have david's info you know what let me actually ask him and see if i can actually get permission like legit permission to use it that that and kind of you know do it as a tribute to him i hit him up and he's like dude the fucking song's yours you know that kind of thing but when I hit him up, he goes, what song are you talking about? And I was like, thinking about you. And I, I sent it to him. I was like, this. And he goes, oh, my God, I don't even have a copy of yeah. this. Like, <laughs> and it was just like one of those where it's like it just it hit the mirrors. I didn't have this. Wow. Oh, my God. So it's like it felt really cool. That was just like something I ripped from MySpace mm-hmm. over 10 years ago <laughs> that I just somehow have held on to a hard drive that I was able to send back to him and like rebuild that memory. And he was just like, dude, fuck yeah, just take it. It's yours. And I'm like, yeah. eh, thank you. <laughs> That's a good song too. Like how random is that? I know. Well, I think so many people like in bands, like, like we're in, especially like on our level. Yeah. A lot of times you just don't feel like what you're doing is really all that important. You mm-hmm. might love what you're doing. You might love playing shows and you might like having fans and stuff, but 
you don't think it's like so important that you need to hold on to everything. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I know what it's like to be down to my last CD. I've got one Van Huskin CD left. And if somebody wants to buy it, I'm going to have to be like, mm, no, I got to keep this. <laughs> yeah. but I, no, I, I take it back. I got two. I got one open and one unopened. There you go. And I just got to, you know, but I know what it's like to have that last CD and have somebody want to buy it and be yeah. like, well, yeah, I'm going to sell it to because I want you to hear it. Um, it's not so much these days because people can go online and hear it. Right. But, you know, back, back in the day, that last cassette of course you're going to sell it mm-hmm. oh we'll make some more later you might not ever make them again so I, I know what it's like to to have lost that stuff but i just always felt like it's like i know there's a few things that i've lost mm-hmm. that i really wish i had and, and hopefully hopefully somebody still has them out there yeah but i just can't count on that they might be gone forever yeah. and, and i've i've thought about that a few times actually ever since about 2017 or 20 actually 2018 i've kind of in the back of my head going like i need to like consolidate all my things mm-hmm. because it's like i'll go through a box and like find like a blank CD that says like Phillin's demo number three. And I'm mm. like, what is this? And it's like, I put it in and I'm like, oh my God, I, I completely forgot about these yeah. tracks. <laughs> and it's like, I'll find like little pieces of that scattered about. And it's like, and I know like in the back of my head, I've got like some of my old stage clothes is in that closet. Some of it is upstairs, yeah. like in a bin. And it's just like, I want to get like all my test pressings and like all the unused stage gear that I don't use anymore. Like things that I would want to hold on to for later on and just get it all in like a Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> Did that over home at home with uh over Christmas and uh, I just found a camera just randomly in the attic and I was like hey Alex you need this yeah yeah it's, it's, it's uh, right down there I just need we just need to find a uh, tape deck for it mm-hmm. uh, it's a camcorder but it just doesn't have a place for you to put in the VHS tape yeah. so yeah we just gotta find that and all of a sudden we're gonna be able to play with like actual like VHS recording mm-hmm. and I think that's gonna be pretty fun. That's just fun. Like you be. That's just one of those deals where, like, like, just go upstairs through all your shit. You'll be surprised what you find. Yeah. Well, that's like the the. So I was talking about the style and Johnny Appleseeds and that yeah. cassette box that I want to do. So one of the reasons why I'm doing that is because, like you, I had a bunch of cassettes that just said SJA on them or whatever. Yeah. And, and a couple of different boxes. So I start going through them and I'm listening to them. Like, man, we recorded we recorded a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is us just like. There's one I've got of a practice where we didn't get around to playing any of our songs until like. 45 minutes into it mm. and all the stuff that we were playing is pretty cool i mean just for what we were doing we were just yeah. jamming on stuff and we played a couple like covers like just real loose versions of uh i think a motorhead song and something else nice um but this also being the 30th year or the 30th anniversary of when i started my first band me and matt started styling johnny apple seeds i kind of want to do something special for it so yeah. so i'm going to put together the box set only a handful of people are even going to care about it um <laughs> there'll probably only be 10 copies of the physical box set but it'll be available online but that's yeah. that's it it's just trying to get all that stuff in one place mm-hmm. and i'm like while i'm doing it i might as well do something with it exactly and, and i've and i've kind of been sitting on like a bunch of old fill-ins live uh recordings like mm-hmm. there, there was a good bit um when dan or dane rather uh, was offering up the uh soundboard recordings yeah. i took them up on that quite a few times so I, I think i've got like four or five like live sets mm-hmm. that i've just never done anything with and it was because like in the moment you listen back to it and you're like oh my god God, we sucked that night. Oh, Mikey, what the fuck were you doing? Oh my God, it's what, a slop what, show. What note am I trying to sing? Ew! And Cap, what the fuck are you even plugged in? You know, there was like so many of those moments. But now it's like now that time has passed, 
listening to it almost has like a certain amount of like raw charm mm-hmm. yeah. and now i'm just kind of sitting here going like hmm enough time has passed to where like yeah we could release release this really warty filled thing but maybe people will look at it as oh isn't that cute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know that's one of those where it's like i want to hold on to it a little longer but yeah i've, I've definitely been kind of collecting up the archives for like again like what you said the five people that'll care <laughs> down the road i still have like cool little things i'll hold on to because again as a fan i like when bands do that yeah, yeah and like for instance for me i'm a big Annie scene fan i nerd out when i find out just releasing a new expanded edition of mm-hmm. one of the old records because i know he found new demos and yeah. i'm like oh, i get to hear the new demos <laughs> and it's like i don't care if he fucked up every lyric and is off key and joe's guitar is out of tune <coughs> i want to hear it mm-hmm. you know so it's like Hopefully, you know, I think every band kind of has this. Hopefully, you have like that one or two fans at the end of the day that like would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got it for those one or two people. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always do enjoy, especially when a band is kind of wrapping up their legacy, when they start releasing old demos yeah. and like live footage. And I just wish more bands would do that. Because Cap and I were talking about the, uh, the phenomenon of the box set mm-hmm. in the early 2000s and how not a lot of bands really do that now, but I wish there would be more that would actually dig into their archives and kind of like what you're doing and just show off more. I want to yeah. know how they're able to get, how they get the access, what they do with uh, set access and what circumstance because I'll use Van Halen as an example. Mm-hmm. You know how you they you never see a box set, you never see demos, you yeah. never see anything from their uh, outtakes even though there are plenty of outtakes. Mm-hmm. I've heard uh his son Wolfgang talk about how they have to go through all these tapes and you know burn them and um do this you that and the other them? with or yeah. <laughs> that's what I meant. That's We're going to burn these tapes to the ground. They got they got to bake a shit ton of tapes yeah. and they got to go through this that and the other and uh, meanwhile there are bands like uh you know or folks that handle the legacies of a Black Sabbath or a Rush that are able to do all kinds of remasters mm. whenever the fuck they want to and yeah. uh along with all the uh whatever outtakes they feel like choosing to include, like, Mm -hmm. say, A Kiss Destroyer uh, 40th Anniversary, for example. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, they really didn't do outtakes much on that. They more did the outtakes on the Love Gun one. But even that was kind of like a hodgepodge of weird shit. Ramones is a better example. Yeah, the expanded editions Mm -hmm. that they were recently doing. It really feels like the Ramones is really the only punk band I can think of that's like really taking care of their back catalog like that. And they, and they, they were one of those that put out box sets and compilations just a, a bunch of them mm-hmm. i mean we talked about when well, not here but earlier yeah talking uh, about like ramones mania all the stuff in more volumes one and two mm-hmm. um weird tales yeah weird tales of the ramones there's so many like compilations of the ramones out there that are official releases yeah and a lot of them have the same songs on it no, no alternate takes or anything but there are there's some of that stuff in there yeah yeah yeah, and, and I just I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh and talking about box sets and compilations, was it sweet that I found that really mm. funny number on? I think it was. Either, okay. either sweet or kiss. No, it, it wasn't kiss. kiss, cause it was on a you gotta hear this sign up to our Patreon. Mike's on it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, um I forget who I think it was sweet when we were doing their episode. It was either sweet or thin Lizzie. Okay, it was probably sweet then. Okay. Um their studio albums was something like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. 
compilation albums was yeah. like 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, that was definitely sweet. And I'm like, there are more compilation albums than actual full studio albums. Oh, there are plenty of bands that are like that out there, especially like some of those old artists we from the 60s and stuff. You'll, you'll find. CCR. Yeah. So many yeah. compilations. And then like, you know, five albums. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like Foreigner or something like that. Well, we talked about Jimi Hendrix earlier, you know. How about he put yeah. out just a handful of albums, but there's you know just shelves full of records that have Jimi Hendrix on them. And there's Live like stuff and outtakes and and now it's like there's more posthumous releases of Jimi Hendrix studio material than exactly. there were uh, when he was alive. <laughs> hmm. And to- what, how do you guys feel about that? Like, so let's let's take like a Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had all those old recordings still with Rick Rubin yeah. uh, that he recorded. So like. They, Rick was able to go through the uh, the bin and still release three more records of stuff he had, and then the Cash Estate found a rejected '80s record, mm-hmm. uh, and that was like the Out Among the Stars album that came out like a couple years ago, and that was and like supposedly that was like the time that Johnny was like really down on his luck when it came to like PR and like popularity. Nobody wanted anything to do with him because he was old news. Yeah. And like, and like he shopped this album to his usual company and they were just like, no shelve it, do a new one. Mm -hmm. And so they just never got released until a few years ago. So how, how does that sit with you guys? Something like that as a fan interests me because Mm -hmm. that was like the uh, dark period for Johnny Cash's career. Rick Rubin essentially saved his career because Johnny Cash couldn't sell any new music. He was a cabaret act at that point. It was shut up and play the hits. Mm -hmm. Do you you think he's just an anomaly on it then? Because because it... With that that context, I think context does play into a story like that. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of like another example of like how a uh, an estate handles this legacy. I think more one. Of I the- can name off two more at least. Uh, Joey Ramone, mm-hmm. and then um, fuck, fuck. Before I said Joey, I had it in my head. Um, either way, no, I'll, I'll at least uh, roll with that one until I remember the other one. But no, it just it seems like with the Johnny Cash one, and then like the Joey Ramone stuff they were releasing. The reason it, I don't know if it sits right with me is because the artist isn't there for the final product. Yeah. So, like, yeah, even though we're hearing these albums and they sound okay, not talking about Joey's last one. That's a whole <laughs> can of worms. We'll talk about that one in a minute if I we want to. I was going to say, yeah. But, 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 like, the Johnny Cash stuff is like, even though as great as that sounds, you don't know if that was like his full intention for those songs. Yeah. In the end, I, I think I'm like Cap as a fan. I, I, I love to hear that stuff, and, and I feel like also as someone that, that likes to archive and, and collect stuff, that that's also a very good thing. But with you, I'm kind of like the artist didn't really give their approval over that. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, like the Johnny Cash album you're talking about, well, that was one that was intended to be released and it just never did. Right. You know, so maybe that's a good thing that that one got re-released. The Rick Rubin stuff, you know, some people can look at it as, well, somebody just wants to make money off of them. I guess a good example of this would be like, well, so Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of recordings of him and I know they just recently put out some uh, a covers album or whatever, but apparently there's a bunch of recordings that the members of Soundgarden want to finish up an album with. Right. But I guess like his wife or whatever, Mm-hmm. doesn't want to do that because yeah, she wants full control all, over it or whatever. That's, 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 when, it, that's when it gets to really be ugly for me. When it, yeah. when, when it becomes like that. The family thing. Yeah, when it becomes to be like a, a little bit of a, I guess, a struggle with it or whatever. Yeah, there's, Ronnie Van Zant's 
uh, wife handles the Skinner legacy now, and that's been a whole thing with uh, folks like Artemis Pyle and former members that don't tour with the band anymore and mm-hmm. things like that. But the whole point of you know a legacy for an artist that has passed is for the estate to take care of the family. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what yeah. that's the reason for all of these you know documentaries, all these movies, mm-hmm. all these all, anything that's posthumous, whether it's an album or anything else, is to take care of the family. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's kind of talk on the Joey aspect. Uh, that album that came out a couple years ago, like What or So What or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the problem I wound up having with that one is, again, all three of us at the table here being musicians, we know what a demo sounds like. We know what a working idea sounds yeah. like. It really feels like that entire album was just them finding phrases Joey said mm-hmm. auto-tuning them and repeating them and making a song out yeah, of yeah, it. Now, who was the uh, mastermind behind this? Joey's brother. Mickey Lee? Yeah. Okay, so... M- M- Mickey had played a huge part in... Uh, I think they've done two uh, post- posthumous uh, Joey records. Have you uh, have any of y'all read Mickey Lee's book I Slept with Joey Ramone? <laughs> no, but I, Eric's wife was telling me I need to read that recently, so I, I think I'm going to try to pick that one up. I think Alex and I talked about it once before where uh, you you, uh, didn't want to read the book because you thought Mickey Lee's whole vibe was him riding Joey's coattails. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what the, but I said and I retorted with, well, that is kind of what the vibe of the book is. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's when it just kind of feels a little like, eh, because it's like, I don't know. Joey just had such an artistic mind to him mm-hmm. that it felt like those versions of the songs that came out, he would have just been so unhappy with. Yeah, yeah. I can and see like, that. and like for instance, a song that I was actually genuinely excited for when I saw the track listing, it said "Life Is a Gas Acoustic," mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's one of my favorite little deep cuts from Adios Amigos. That, yeah. That's gonna be cool. I put it on, and it was auto tuned to like the nth degree like to the point where like i got a little choked up hearing it because i'm just like they did this to joey (laughs) like of all people you don't do it to joey joey wasn't around for auto-tune he doesn't know what that is don't do that to him (laughs) fuck and that's just an example of somebody who's just using his family's legacy to cash in yeah and i think that's what happens a lot with the Ramones and a lot of bands that have that kind of like weird, sketchy background behind yeah, them. Yeah. But then you've got like the the ones that really push against it, like um, uh, Wolfgang, uh, like fucking, Van, like um, the Van Halen family. Yeah, he's pushing hard against it because people are like coming out on Twitter going, you know, oh, are you gonna, you know, ever play, you know, your dad's songs? And he's just like straight, just like single word answers, just like no, yeah, yeah, he's like I'm not. He's like, oh, so you, so you don't want to like join Van Halen, you know? Continue. He's like, no. He's like, no, I don't. He's like, that was my dad's thing. He goes, yeah. if I do music, I want it to be my thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the thing is, is Evan Stanley is going through the same thing right now. He's trying to do like kind of like current R and B, like easy listening, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of you know music, whatever's hip with the kids these days because he's that age. Yeah. But he's getting a lot of that kind of stuff on his Instagram right now. Going, you know, um, if your dad asked, would you join Kiss 2.0 with Nick? You know, is, is the thing. And he's just like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And then, like a few days later, someone asked, "They're like, would you ever cover one of your dad's songs?" And he's just like, "One word answer, like, no." Yeah, and it's just like that, that. I wish people wouldn't immediately put that on rock star kids. Mm-hmm. 
No. It's like, even though what Evan's doing right now, I'm not interested in it at all. Man, I'm glad he's doing that than not trying to sound like Paul. Yeah. What Wolfgang's deal is going to be like handling the entire Van Halen legacy now. Like all of those tapes, all of these things that his dad did, every all these masters, and his gear company um, business and all that. He's inheriting all that. So he's got a whole thing that he's got to deal with now. Yeah. Which is, I think it's going to be kind of cool. Mm hmm. Because, you know, it's Van Halen's kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, if he's kind of going in with that attitude, I wonder how much is really going to be done with it after yeah, he the might, fact. Yeah, he might just want to leave it in the vaults and say, my dad didn't release this. So, Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he's going to take it probably more seriously than anybody else will. I'm sure some of that will eventually come out, though. Yeah, it will. <laughs> I'd love, to see, I'd love to see it. And actually, with because um, you're uh, Mike, you're a little bit more knowledgeable on Van Halen stuff too, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the only bit of like Van Halen information I have, and it kind of ties in with Cap was talking about with like demos and outtakes and stuff. For years, there was the rumored Van Halen brother demos of him recording with Gene, mm -hmm. uh, recording Kiss songs, yeah, and like. Gene was constantly saying, this exists, this exists. And then the Van Halen camp would be like, no, we never recorded that. We we hung out with them a few times. We did help them write it, but no, we, we never recorded anything. Well, fast forward to 2018, Gene releases his fucking $4,000 vault box set, which I have MP3 copies of. <laughs> but it included those three demos. Yeah. And it's just like, all of a sudden, it's just like, wait. You were saying all these years they didn't exist. So do, do we know why Van Halen is usually pretty secretive when it comes to demos and outtakes and you, anything extra? Yeah, because I have the no Van idea. Hal the ha Van Halen brothers were just weird like that. Like there was like a whole thing when I was listening to when Eddie Van Halen died. I went on a whole YouTube rabbit hole and then found old Howard Stern interviews with mm -hmm. with the Van Halen brothers and with David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar as well. Yeah, with like every like chat they had with. A uh, each camp had with Howard Stern. It felt like there was always David Lee Roth's story, and then the Van Halen brothers' story. Yeah. There was Sammy Hagar's story, and then there's mm -hmm. the Van Halen story <laughs> for the press. Which this sounds like there's you know Gene Simmons talking about this, but then there's the Van Halen brothers <laughs> PR saying this. Yeah. So I think that's what that all that was. Yeah, because even like for me as a Kiss fan, I don't see it near even going like they don't exist. Because there are so many times I'm just like, Gene is so full of yeah, shit. Exactly. He says so many things and he's just like, yes, yes, they exist. I'm like, no, they probably don't. You probably is probably a session guy that tracked it and you just remember it as such. But this like, I'm not even a Van Halen fan, but it's like I listened to those tracks and I immediately went, holy fuck, that's them. Yeah. Because they, they just have a certain sound oh, to their yeah. play. Exactly. Like or hate Van Halen, he's got that un mistakable sound to it yeah and yeah they wound up being on the vault right yeah yeah they're uh, they all three of their versions they did christine 16 got love for sale and almost human they they helped write those three songs with gene for the love gun album and i mm. never understood why the van halen brothers were so stingy like that i don't know but and, <laughs> but the weird thing is is like they played the solos in those demos exactly the way ace mimics them yeah like those demos are almost spot on like gene probably brought it was just like ace play this this is what you're <laughs> fucking playing yeah. <laughs> don't change any notes play this yeah so that was also kind of the weird thing hearing what i always kind of credit ace for uh, you know all the cool solos and shit and then all of a sudden i'm hearing the fucking christine 16 solo and like the and i was like oh shit that 
that was not Ace? Okay. <laughs> I still will not give Van Halen credit, though. <laughs> should give Van Halen a sandwich for that song. I'll give him a sandwich. <laughs> too late. Oh, never mind. I was going to make it too late. He's dead. Oh, joke. I love Damn. that. I love Van Halen. I get to make that joke. <laughs> That bummed me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't have too many more musician deaths this year. Let's not let's not hope for that. Yeah. <laughs> nah, country and western too, man. John Prine and Billy Joe Shaver and mm-hmm. Jerry Jeff Walker and Charlie Pride. Now that I'm th- saying it out loud, it was like holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of deaths last year. And the thing was, is that a negative but also a semi-positive is like every time one of the country singers would bite it's like that's all capital listen to for a week so it's like i got some really good country music <laughs> education this year uh-huh. <laughs> maybe just in the car i'm like who's this one he goes oh this charlie proud is he did this that and the other yada yada now if you listen carefully this guitarist now he also played on the other stuff that i was playing last week remember this song <laughs> see all the good all the good folks had like little networks <laughs> so i used to i've always loved like old country and, and i've listened to you know Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. I'm wearing a Willie Nelson shirt right now. Oh hell yeah! Uh, nice. But um, uh, all that stuff, you know, when I was younger too. But in the past couple of years, I, I started making playlists on Spotify, mm-hmm. and like I've got playlists that are like 90 hours long. But I've got a country playlist. It's like uh, I want to say it's over 20 hours long now. Yeah, I got but a couple of those. <laughs> all classic stuff. There's some stuff from the 80s. There might be like one Dwight Yoakam song on there. Oh yeah, uh, things like that. But then I've got like a pared down version of that. It's like a best of. It's like three hours long. Uh-huh. Yeah. And no. so I, like I, I I went like really crazy into country music for a little while and like all these different versions of the of the same song that all these different artists would cover. You got to do like your Hank Williams, Ernest Tubb era playlist. Yeah. And like you're like, uh, well, you got to have your full Whalen list. But I haven't went that, that, that far into it yet. But <laughs> I was going to say Cap is already in I'll it. I'll do the full Whalen list. But it's just so like so cool how all that stuff's like intertwined and all these artists covered each other's songs. And I guess that, that happened a lot back mm-hmm. in the, the 50s and 60s with yeah. you know rock and roll too. But um, And then you'd have like those artists that, that were both country and rock and roll like Jerry Lee Lewis. Exactly. And, and then a lot of those songs crossed over, yep. so it's it's kind of kind of crazy because I always think about like country today is just like I don't like that. That's just like pop music with a country twang. I'm like, well, shit, that's what country was back then too, but it was just a lot better. Right? And, and you know pop what? music it, was better back then. It was, and that's something Cap and I were even talking about one time, which was just like you know, current country technically checks all the boxes, mm-hmm. but like you know what it is? It's booty shaking people for people that are scared of rap music. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> it, it, it honestly kind of is. And the other weird thing about it, too, is, again, us not being Blind Kiss fans, Paul is releasing a soul record, mm-hmm. Paul Stanley Soul Station. It sounds like the most soulless yeah. thing possible. Like, it genuinely bummed me out. Because, again, it, I've not been shy of saying, like, everything around Green Day has been kicking ass. Like, the long shot, Billy's No Fun Monday stuff, and mm-hmm. the network, good fucking God. It's like, you know, I'm loving everything around Green Day. I'm sitting here going, like, ooh, maybe I can do this with Kiss now. Yeah. The things around <laughs> Kiss I can really start falling into and digging. Now I'm just like, all right, cool. I, I like all 80s or like 70s and 60s doo-wop stuff and you know r&b and that seems to be where he's pulling from all right sweet i'll check it out god it sounded so pretty 
produced and auto-tuned mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think that's the same symptom that country has. Yeah, it is. It's a mm-hmm. lot of the production is, is a big part of it. It yeah. feels so sanitized. Those old country records had a certain warmth to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they may be singing the same things. You may be able to replicate every guitar tone and like voice tone. There's a certain vibe to those old recordings that just give it a certain amount of genuineness. Well, I'll even go so far as to say, like, not just the production, but the instrumentation, too. Because, like, that's one reason why I don't really get so much into, like, the Sturgill Simpsons and, and stuff like that. Like, I listen to it, and it's, it's good. It's, it's a lot better than what's on the radio. And I'm not going to say it's bad music by any stretch. It's, it's really good music. Yeah. But it doesn't grab me the way the old country does. Because I like just, like, that real stripped-down right. sound. That real, and, and they do get that a little bit. They're but all, not quite the way it was like back in the sixties. They're all rock fans too. Like they're yeah. all they all grew up on classic rock because they're all like either our age or older and uh, wanted to work in their favorite works from say the Rolling Stones or the band mm-hmm. into the honky tonk that they were listening to. Yeah, and like I said, those artists are all great. It just doesn't grab me the way like some people are. Like, oh, you should love Jason Isbell. Or you should love. And it's like what about Story Wayne Hancock, I listen to it. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. But <laughs> well, I just want to go back and listen to, you know. Uh, Cowboy Coppice or something, you know? Like uh, what was uh, Bob Wills, Hank mm-hmm. Williams, and just all that highway trucker music. Yeah. Yeah, the Highwayman was actually one of the things that I wound up stumbling upon. Oh, that yeah, I, I love the hear a lot of people yeah. talking about. I'm like, holy fuck, this is the this greatest. Is great. It's really good. The greatest super group of all time. Van Huskins just talked about covering that song, the, the Highwayman oh, song. Oh, that would be so but cool. We, we've talked about it several times. We've never bothered to start learning. Oh, dude, <laughs> I, I would love if you did that because it's such a cool little, like it's almost like a duet song kind mm-hmm. of thing, but it's, it's such a cool track. Oh, I love that. Can you name all the members? No. Either of y'all? Let's see. There's uh, Johnny Cash, Mm -hmm. Chris Christopherson. um, Oh, shit. I'm going blank right now. Oh, man. Two (laughs) two big. Willie Nelson. Yeah. I was going to say, those were the main two I knew. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I don't know why I'm going blank. Another big W. Oh, yeah, Waylon Jennings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm thinking of it. I'm, I'm going, I know this. I know this. <laughs> no, that era of country, I, I think I also wound up falling into that. I did that more, I'd say when I was in my late teens, I really mm. fell into the acoustic singer-songwriter thing, um, like those American Johnny Cash records. And another one that I actually recently turned cap onto after talking about it enough was uh, Tony Sly. Okay. Uh, have you? Did you ever listen to any of that? Uh, he was in like a mid two thousands pop punk band, uh, No Use for Name. Yeah. Okay. And I don't care for No Use for Name themselves, but they were part of Fat Records, mm-hmm. and that's how I wound up just hearing about the name itself. But he released like the singer songwriter acoustic record that was just really fucking good. Yeah. So it's like I wound up falling into a hole of like that Johnny Cash, Avett Brothers, mm-hmm. shit like that for a good while, and that wound up influencing a good bit of my writing, but just I couldn't ever fully latch on to it yeah if that makes any sense i, I don't think with, know. i think with me it was the guitar player specific uh, specifically with waylon jennings because he was the first guy that i watched on youtube do the uh the finger where you hold the guitar pick between your thumb and your index you're picking at one string and then the, your bottom two fingers are picking at other string at the same time oh, that yeah. hybrid picking and i'm like how the fuck does he do that yeah. <laughs> it was a combination of that and listening to steel guitars that the guitar player in me went oh this is fucking cool <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm and I still definitely enjoy that kind of music. I mean, you know, hell, we'll go ahead and say now, you know, Cap and I are actually working on a felons EP, and that's and that's like a, an excuse for us to do just you know singer songwriter country acoustic, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it kind of music. So I definitely enjoy it. I just think that I wouldn't be satisfied only playing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Is that made? Yeah. I, I look at that. Like I, I see people play that kind of music and it just looks boring to play to me. Like, I, I don't think I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. mind like trying my hand at playing country bass. And I think it'd be fun, maybe fun to play that, but overall just the whole vibe of watching a band like that, they just seem like they're just standing there playing their music. <laughs> And Unless honestly, you get that, to the, like the bro country, and then they're running around the stage yeah. and doing the rock that star just, stuff. That, and, that just looks weird to me too. <laughs> just seeing like a full arena rock band playing my truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man. I mean, you one hundred percent have a point. I, as much as I love doing our felon shows, I mean, it does. I do find myself going on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. I rarely go on autopilot. Like in the full band. Like there are maybe moments I'll get lost in the moment, yeah. but it's not oh, yeah. like <laughs> I'm just on auto. Like just on go. Yeah. I do find like sometimes during the felon sets, like it's just so in the back of my head that I'll just kind of, it's kind of fall into it. Like I've, we've done it practice before. I've like literally told them I'm like when I quit thinking about what I'm playing, I quit messing up. Yeah. As yeah. soon as I start <laughs> thinking about the next thing I need to play, I fuck it up. So like literally at practice, that's why we just go into it haphazardly because I'm just like, if I just don't think about it, I'm going to play it right. <laughs> and yeah, it does honestly just get a little bit boring. And even like the flip side on it, when we've been tracking this acoustic EP, when it comes down to doing the bass stuff with Cap, we tried going through a couple different things, but Mike, it's exactly what you said. Cap, Fucking just play the boot. He's just like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> well, it's boom, just boom, you, boom. You, you to, and and if you try to fuck around with that, it kind of ruins the song to an yeah, extent yeah, too. Exactly. You only got to approach that a certain way. So you can't really play around with it a whole lot. You've got to stay real true to what the song, mm -hmm. the root but, of the song, and and I find that that's that's hard for me. Yeah. It is, but that's why like folks like say a Gene Simmons or a Paul McCartney that can write around those major keys mm -hmm. and kind of make a little like piece of its own out yeah. of it. <laughs> and that was um, so the the left hand piano thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I already forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, is I'm glad you wound up talking anyway because, like, as soon as I went, ha, my brain went, nope. <laughs> I, I, I knew it had something to do with, like, connect with all that because I feel like Tony and I were talking about something similar with all that, but oh well. well <laughs> I know a minute ago when you said that, you know, when you go on autopilot, that's when you don't make mistakes. Yeah. I, I feel that completely. Like, in Van Huskins practice, if we're playing and I'm not thinking about anything, I'll nail the song. Yeah. But the first time I think, what's the next part of the song? It's, I'm going to fuck it up. I'm yeah. going to miss it. And I'm going to play something, play the wrong note or play the wrong part. And it's, they're all going to look at me and I'm going to figure it out and get, get back on track. But I'm going to mess it up if I start thinking about it. Oh, yeah. You just have to mm -hmm. learn to trust yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I wrote the fucking like, song. That muscle memory actually works if you let it work. Yeah, you just got to... It just gets in your head, and you're mm -hmm. like, "Oh, I hate that. I hate when that happens." The one thing I am still fighting with, for some reason, and it doesn't matter what song we pick, for some reason, the first song in our set, mm -hmm. I will forget the first verse. <laughs> we have we have flipped around the first song so many times. Hit the gas, one of our more popular ones, the one that I should know immediately. We've tried doing that first. Nope, fucked up the first verse currently dangerous i still fuck up the first verse it's just like no matter what it is for some reason because i think i'm so excited in the moment yeah that like i run up to the mic and i'm like oh, fuck <laughs> you shake off them cobwebs first but, but there's another problem sometimes though with going on autopilot and that's sometimes when you get like way too on autopilot mm. and all of a sudden you're in the middle of the song and you find yourself thinking about what you had to eat for lunch like three days ago <laughs> and then that next part of the song comes up and then you're like oh fuck what am I doing <laughs> 
<laughs> that that happens to me too. Did I turn the stove off? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just randomly, something's going on in my head, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be playing music, aren't I? <laughs> the worst thing that'll happen to me is, um, especially if it's a song that we've played like over and over, and it's like you know nine intensive like drinking again you know mm-hmm. I, we've played that's been like one of the earliest songs so i could play that in my sleep and like really pay attention to the crowd what'll happen is i'll lock in on someone that's like not paying attention but they're like doing something different and all of a sudden i'm just like what are you doing <laughs> and not not out of like a why aren't you paying attention to me aspect yeah. but like a what's so interesting over there now i'm curious yeah. like that kind of thing <laughs> oh yeah I've been, told that's a, I've been told that's a thing with a lot of front men performers they'll find the one motherfucker in the crowd that isn't paying attention and be like "Ooh, i'm gonna win him over <laughs> <laughs> oh it never comes from a, i'm gonna win them over it's almost coming from a, okay i get it but what is it yeah what are you looking at? <laughs> i don't want to miss it <laughs> yeah really do we need to stop real quick i want to see did you bring some for the class <laughs> <laughs> who's asked do i have to outdo right now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that'll be the worst. Or like, or like the one person that's like really getting into it, and it's like you want to keep watching them the entire time. <laughs> I know we were talking about uh, white trash earlier. Oh no! <laughs> Are y'all ready for some West by God Virginia news? Oh god, sure. <laughs> I feel like this might now need to be a saying. Most most people have Florida man and yeah. Florida news. We might need to have West Virginia news because no, West before, by God Virginia news. West, West by, by God, God Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, even like. Before you go into this one, uh, it was forever ago, but just even a refresher, my favorite story hearing from that was like, there was some bad like crime thing that went down, but my favorite line in it was, they were found with a pocket full of pills and a pocket full of cash. (laughs) And I'm just like, if that's not song lyrics right there, they fucking got me with a pocket full of cash and a pocket full of pills. (laughs) One night in West Virginia. At a strip club off the highway. Yes, and it involved like a strip club and like someone that was missing a leg. Yes. Like all this other shit. Like the big wrap up as they found him with like a pocket full of cash and a pocket full of pills. And I'm like, fuck yeah. That's West Virginia for you. That's West Virginia. I'm sorry. That's West by God Virginia. West by God Virginia. (laughs) Yes, this was in in Elkins too. Okay. We're uh, pretty close to where our uh, folks that we know live. Yeah. Uh, two individuals are facing drug charges after police said they found a sword, multiple types of drugs, and a dead deer in a vehicle during a traffic stop <laughs> in Elkins on Friday. <laughs> a sword, dead deer, and drugs. I mean, this is rednecks gone wild big time these days. <laughs> but I, I want to know like, how the deer die. Was it by the sword or the drugs? Or something? <laughs> or the truck. Yeah, right. <laughs> Does that say... Uh, the only thing that's really more interesting to read out loud is uh, officers said they made contact with the vehicle's driver, Rebecca Chandler, 46, who, quote, appeared to be very jittery and could not sit still, end quote. After, <laughs> after requesting uh, Chandler's information, officers said they observed, quote, a large sword, end quote, beside the driver's seat and then asked her to step out of the vehicle. The complaint stated that officers also smelled a quote strong odor of something rotting end quote coming from the vehicle (laughs) which caused them to be concerned if it was rotting that means I wasn't like a fresh dead thing that means I've been sitting for a minute ew of course West Virginia she probably found it on the side of the road and thought that's that's good eating right there I'm not letting that go to waste I sleep in it at night we just pull over at night and just kind of like this ain't Star Wars motherfucker (laughs) you call call that dead deer I'll sleep 
if if you do i'll sleep in a truck <laughs> oh my god yeah so so people have had florida man we might we might need to have west by guy virginia news <laughs> upon checking chandler for weapons uh officers said they observed a green tube in her quote uh Quote, widely open pocket, end quote. <laughs> widely open pocket? Why is that so important? Yeah. And when they asked her if it was, uh, she said, oh shit, I forgot that. It's just weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you have to appreciate the honesty. Like, oh shit, so I just forgot like, that. She's like, ma'am, what's that? And she's like, oh god damn it. Yeah, that's my weed. My weed. <laughs> All I can think of is the, uh, the Burt Kreischer bit. Uh, have you seen uh, hit some of his specials on uh, yeah, Netflix? No, yeah. uh, the bit where he's talking about he's like where he got a gun and like his favorite thing to do was like uh, drink at night with it. Did you hear that bit? I'm trying to remember, but go ahead. It was on his last one, and he he uh, prefaced the joke by going, "He's like now." If you are pro-gun, you are going to hate this story. Mm -hmm. If you don't like guns, you're really going to hate this story. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, he just goes on to explain how much of an irresponsible gun owner he is. But like halfway through the story, he finally goes, Oh my God, I forgot to tell you, there's no bullets in this. I never had bullets in it. He goes, not because I didn't try. I tried to load one in the chamber and it hurt my thumb and I went, fuck this. (laughs) So he's like going through explaining it. But he said one of his favorite things to do is like after everyone's gone to bed, pull out his gun, pour himself a nice tall glass of whiskey, take his pants off, and just sit on the recliner and just hold his gun and just drink. <laughs> and, 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 and he was like, imagine if someone came through and tried to break in at that exact moment and come through the window. First thing they see is cock, glock, dog, whiskey. Oh. <laughs> Uh, let's see. The story continues. Police then made contact with the passenger in the vehicle, Tyler Childers, not country singer Tyler Childers. But Does it say that? No, but... Oh, okay. I was going to say that. <laughs> he's kind of a popular singer now with that yeah, uh, Sturgill right. Sensing right. community yeah. and all that. But uh, he and uh, they detained him before giving him a pat-down, according to the complaint. Police said that during the pat-down, they felt a syringe in his chest pocket and found a clear plastic baggie with quote unquote green money signs that contained an identical baggie beside it which contained a crystal like substance consistent with methamphetamine yeah, that sounds like some meth doings <laughs> officers said they also located two small plastic baggies with a yellow tint and a smiley face imprinted on it that contained more methamphetamine <laughs> two more small baggies and a cell phone police said that they also recovered three cell phones from Chandler's pockets now, if if you had to pick like your random weapon, so like let, let's let let's just assume that you know the the government does come out, although they've taken all our guns. Okay, now we have to find new weapons. Okay, what would be the weapon you'd want? Like, if someone wound up having to cross you, what would you want? Uh, a gun. I said that someone already took those oh, motherfuckers. All the guns. Uh, <laughs> all right. A sword. <laughs> I was thinking that. It would probably have to be a sword or maybe just a big baseball bat. Yeah, I'm like sitting here going, like, how badass would that be? That you're just fucking walking around the goddamn katana. Mm-hmm. Someone comes up, give me your money. <laughs> I don't think so, motherfucker. <laughs> a pack of fucking ravenous hippos or dogs or something. <laughs> yes, I'm going to carry around a pack of ravenous hippos with me. They will fuck you up. Cap, do you know how big a hippo is? <laughs> you can't really... Fit a couple in your coat pocket. Can you can you tame a hippo? <laughs> There's the episode name. Can you tame a hippo? <laughs> speaking of an, speaking of animals, uh, on to the dead deer. Oh, oh yeah. no! The complaint stated that police 
then began to search the vehicle and that the quote-unquote smell of death was very strong and appeared to be coming from the rear compartment area of the vehicle where a tarp was. Uh, officers then felt through the tarp and felt what appeared to be a hoof, according to the complaint. Once the tarp was unfolded, officers found a white-tailed doe that appeared to have been shot, the complaint stated. All right, so it wasn't from the katana. Nope. <laughs> or the drugs. Well, I mean, it still could have been from the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> officers said Chandler and Chandler's uh, Ch- uh, Childers both denied knowing the deer was even in the vehicle. Both individuals <laughs> were transferred to the Elkins Police Department for processing. And officers said that while there, Chandler could not stay awake. Police said that while she was awake, Chandler stated multiple times that this was bullshit and would yell at Ch- Childers saying, I knew this was a bad idea. I told you this was a bad idea. <laughs> love how in that moment they just felt the need to be like oh i didn't know that was in there (laughs) you didn't smell that (laughs) as of uh january 11th when the story was published uh they're in jail and their bail has been set at thirty thousand dollars (laughs) god and see and that's the unfortunate thing i hear things like that and i'm like thirty thousand dollars i don't have thirty thousand dollars my family don't got thirty thousand dollars i'd be <laughs> I love how they just pretended that there wasn't a dead deer in the back of their car. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, you you are no Jedi, my son. You cannot do that. There is no <laughs> no explanation as to why they just had it. You know, where did the just, deer come from? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. What deer? What deer? I've been smoking meth all day. You tell me. <laughs> and actually, uh, speaking of Star Wars, let's have some uh, friendly debate here. Mike, why are you not interested in Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started watching it and I got four I think four episodes into the first season yeah and like the first episode was pretty good mm-hmm. and the second episode just felt like filler to me like it just everything was real tedious right the third episode was pretty good it was like okay so there was story in the first one and there was story in the, the third one mm-hmm. the second one just felt like filler and the fourth one was again it was sort of like the third one yeah. I felt like it was that was one where they were I think they were on indoor and there were the, a, the ATSTs and the ATATs gotcha and just to me I, I felt like I was watching somebody else play a video game Okay. It just seemed real tedious and boring to me, and I just kind of gave up on it. I don't watch a whole lot of TV right now anyway. Right. No, um, and that makes sense. Especially stuff I've got, like episodic stuff, where I've got mm-hmm. to watch every week or, or I'll get lost or whatever. Right. And I don't know. It just it just didn't grab me. And I, I think I need to go back and watch it again mm-hmm. and maybe and, try to get past just the, the, the being kind of set against it, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. No, and that's totally fine. And, but the thing is, is like I think that's 100% valid because I think that was the reason I did like it mm-hmm. because it did get tedious. They really focused on a micro part of a story and it's like you really had to follow them along on this path. And yeah, it was kind of like a set trajectory kind of thing, but for once, it wasn't like every episode had to have the big epic fight or like a big epic explosion kind of thing. And yeah. it just it felt like a smaller grounded thing. And I think that's at least what I enjoyed. From I think it. like if, if all the episodes had been like one and three, mm-hmm. I would have stuck with it. But the second and the fourth one, like I said, that last one, it just felt like it was like almost like, well, here's a baddie. Let's fight this ATST. Let's right. destroy this one. And then let's have this cut scene where we all talk and have this dialogue. And then, mm-hmm. oh, no, here's another one. And then finally the boss battle. It was like, yeah. I just felt like, it, to me, I was like, I was like, am I watching a video game? Well, you you mentioned that. And that was kind of uh, my world outside of, you know, mediocre movies at the time that were mm-hmm. being put out by somebody that 
like me that was becoming a teenager and you know kind of out quote unquote outgrowing Star Wars at the time I was still playing the video games mm -hmm. and that was my uh, you know the place where I can you know get uh get that fandom Jones, you know what I mean, for yeah. uh, for Star Wars, because I loved all those Star Wars video games, and they're kind of pulling from those now with mm -hmm. series like Mandalorian and things like that, which, to me as a fan, kind of, you know, keeps me engaged. I don't know really where I'm at right now as far as being a fan of Star Wars. I, I still love too. I still love the first three movies, um, you know, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, the prequels didn't do a whole lot for me. I, I enjoyed them enough at the time when they yeah. came out, but over the years I've gotten where I don't care for them too much. And I really liked episode seven and episode eight. I liked episode eight a lot more than a lot of people did. Right. But then when nine came out, it was a good enough movie and I've only seen it once. I got it for Christmas. I need to rewatch it. And my daughter gave it to me. It was a good enough movie, but I just felt like they were like, ah, screw what happened in seven and eight. We're going to mm -hmm. tell a different story. We're yeah. going to wrap this up with something completely different. And it just kind of made me go, eh, maybe I'm done with Star Wars for a little bit. Man, you and I really kind of had the same kind of thought process. Now, I didn't care as much for Last Jedi, only because, not for the reason everyone always goes to, which is like Hermit Luke and mm -hmm. all that other stuff. I was cool with all of that. And it's a topic for another day. I could wind up spending an hour just on yeah. that. But, like, I felt there were, like, some genuine plot issues not mm -hmm. having anything to do with the direction they decided oh, to yeah, take there was characters. A couple, yeah, yeah. But just, like, some genuine things that, like, knowing the production was, like, Ryan literally going, fuck you, JJ. Mm -hmm. And so it's like I saw some of those moments, and all of a sudden it that took me out of the movie because I'm sitting here going, ah, it feels like – they're kind of talking to me saying, forget the old movies. And yeah. I'm just like, stop, stop. I just, fine, you can do this. You can move forward. Just quit hammering the point home. Just show me the new things. And it just, it felt too pandering. But um, something that we will eventually talk about on Patreon, but it's going to be a while till we get to it. So I'll bring it up now. <clears throat> something that I've kind of held back talking about, mainly because I wanted to see if anyone else brought it up. Mm -hmm. No one really has. The reason the last movie really didn't sit well with me and it's exactly what you said which is it felt like they took everything they had built up to and just went ah fuck it never mind yeah, let's just yeah. do something else i think that was intentional i don't think that was just bad writing i don't think that was them just losing the plot when force awakens came out mm. star wars episode seven coming soon last jedi episode eight last jedi mm. you never really heard them mention episode nine yeah Every piece of promo was the rise of Skywalker, the end of a saga, the end of the Skywalker saga. I didn't see a lot that said episode nine. Of course, it still had it in the crawl yeah, and all yeah. that. It's, of course, going to be there. I think they were trying to subconsciously get us to look at this as a standalone film. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? As a standalone film, it's good. It's yeah. great. It's <laughs> fine because we didn't have any information prior of Ray and not being connected to Palpatine. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any prior connection of how characters were supposed to act. You know, they, you know, even like uh, Poe and Finn were acting very different from like their traditional yeah. characters. They weren't written the same yeah. again. It just felt off. If you scratch the other movies, it was fun. But as the wrap up, exactly what you said man it just didn't sit right yeah. and that again what you were saying it kind of leaves me kind of questioning where am i as a star wars fan because they just kind of i don't want to say messed it up 
they just definitely went about it in a way that I feel alienated original fans and new fans. Yeah, yeah. It's just different. Like, it just felt like bad TV movie versions of and it's again all this. And, it, and the thing that sucks is having these arguments. People immediately go, "Oh, it's because there were girls in the movies. Oh, it's because there was more inclusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because your classic characters weren't the no, main there, focus." No, there, there are there is that faction of Star Wars fan out there. That's not me. And that's exactly my yeah. point too. I'm sitting here, and Cap and I had like this same kind of like yes kind of argument with each other. It's like I'm sorry, we grew up with Princess Leia. You know, we grew up with the fucking Terminator movies. You know, it's like, you know, we grew up with these fucking, you know, pre- um, uh, Predator? Uh, aliens. 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 And yeah. It's just like, we grew up with these fucking badass female characters. Yeah. It's like, I have no problem with that. In fact, I think it's fucking cool. Because then I get to go to, like, you know, my female friends and go, like, holy shit, yes. And they get to feel included because all of a sudden it's like, I get to talk about Han. And they're like, oh, my God, no, Princess Leia is the better one, you know, and all that shit. It's like, yay, we have something to connect on. Yes, but bring more diversity. Bring more people of all races because I want Star Wars fans of everyone. I want to be able to walk up to anyone and be able to talk Star Wars. That Mm -hmm. would be great. It has nothing to do with that. It's how they (laughs) dealt with the characters. And it's just like. Damn it, y'all! <laughs> and when I watched that movie, I sat in the theater watching. It, I was going, "This is, I like this. This is fun." But yeah. then once it was all over with, there was something wasn't sitting with me right. And the more I thought about, it, the more I was like, "You know, they really kind of just ignored a lot of stuff from the setup for this movie. Like mm-hmm. this would have been a great standalone movie." And, and but, I think and they, they but they shoehorned it on at the end, and it was like, even the whole beginning where it was like. Sort of like that whole previously on Star Wars, you yeah, know. I got, yeah, and I was like, that doesn't seem like a Star Wars movie to me. It was like this whole little five, ten minute catch up thing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this, this is not very Star Wars. That's no. why they need to do that. We're in an era now where we're getting the uh, the Star Trek Next Generation version of Star Wars mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. After so many decades of you know this franchise being so successful, you but, know, this many years later, I will say this though. So to bring it back to Mandalorian, Mandalorian has a little bit of a slow burn, Mm -hmm. but did you like Rogue One? Mm, I like it. I like the movie. It's, I don't like it as much as a lot of people do. Okay. I was going to say, I can probably closely relate this to Rogue One Mm -hmm. where it's like by the end of season one, you realize why all these little video game side missions meant something because like all of a sudden, all of the things connected. So like, you know, the Mando character is just trying to get from point A to point B. He keeps getting distracted, but you realize that in the end, the distractions all play together and it, it creates a good end of season one to create a emotional and action packed season two. Mm. So it's almost like they just kind of went, look, season one's going to grab you, but we're setting up a lot and we're going to pay it off big time next year so stick with us kind of thing yeah well i, I think my thing is i do intend to eventually watch it all i, yeah. I know i'm gonna i'm gonna eventually watch it it's just i have a hard time finding the time to like exactly. i'll watch three or four episodes and go okay of, of anything i like yeah and go oh, okay well i need to finish watching that and then three months later i'm like oh shit what happened to that oh, that show <laughs> i was watching i started doing uh-huh. a podcast and yep. then i forgot about it and then, then the next week something else comes up and i'm doing that so mm-hmm. that, that's a big part of it and i've also just gotten i think a little bit more like i used to take movies and tv shows and stuff and just watch them more for i mean just entertainment all on the surface yeah but lately i've gotten a little bit more critical of my entertainment i, I don't know why but like even uh uh endgame avengers endgame yeah like 
when I first watched that, I'm like, okay, this is pretty good, but something didn't sit with me right. Mm-hmm. And now I don't really like the movie as, that much at all. Okay. Actually, because, I, I would be really interested on in hearing that because I was going to bring up uh, WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, I do, I'd like to see that too. So that's what, you know, I'll eventually get Disney Plus again and watch all that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, with Endgame, it just like, I felt like they built up to this thing and I don't really know how else they could have ended it, honestly. Right. But <clears throat> at the end of it, I'm like, so because Tony Stark was all destroyed destroyed because he didn't win the fight or whatever he mm-hmm. had to go back and go back in time and bring all these people back and when they brought all those people back what happens to all the people who have been living without those people for five years all mm-hmm. of a sudden you know they've moved on gotten remarried and then their ex-wife pops into their house yeah and their ex-wife has no knowledge of what happened mm-hmm. they just the, the whole thing about everybody just coming back <laughs> didn't sit right with me because i'm know like what? I they, just, see that they, they just screwed everybody up even more than they were already screwed up oh yeah with having all these people automatically just pop back into existence mm-hmm. five like, years later with those people not even realizing five years have passed oh yeah absolutely kind of what they do in wandavision or what they're trying to do in WandaVision. maybe they maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll explore that some well i, I was actually going to ask did you see uh spider-man far from home mm-hmm. i feel like they kind of yeah. addressed it a little bit a little like bit, with the uh, uh school thing so i maybe like i may be just trying to defend them too much but maybe they're going to kind of address that as the new phase goes forward because that was right at the tail end. Mm-hmm. So it's like we already got a kind of glimpse of that and we already saw how like the school had to kind of get rearranged and we even heard the teacher bring up like kind of yeah. what you said. And so I don't know. Hopefully they go into it a little bit more. I would like to. Maybe so. Or they'll, they'll probably move on from it more, yeah. than, more than likely. It's just one of those things that I don't think most people really paid that much attention to. But for mm-hmm. some reason with me, it was just like, well, what happens? Because, you know, the, watching the movie, like, I got emotional a couple of times. One of them was when um, Ant-Man, Scott, goes goes back to, and he sees his daughter, and yeah. she's five years older. Mm-hmm. He had no no idea. I don't think, I start thinking, like, well, wait a minute, what about everybody else in the world? You know, yeah. if I lost my wife or whatever, so mm-hmm. I'm married, and I lost my wife, and I got, it took me four years to get over her, but I finally did, and then yeah. I got remarried, and then all of a sudden, one night, she's back in the house. Boom. Yeah. Some people are going to be getting shot. Some people are going to be getting, uh-huh. it, it's, it's just, I think in the, ultimately it was, uh, you know, I think time travel is tricky and, mm-hmm. and just like kind of re like fixing things, finding yeah. a way to fix things. You should and watch and the you, boys you don't really watch. think about that much when you're writing it, I guess. But when you analyze it and, and think about it again, I'm thinking too much. Oh, no, 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 you're not. You no, should, you're not. You should watch the boys on Amazon prime. No, I need to watch that. I've heard. I need to watch that too. <laughs> it yeah. t- talks and all that. Like when superheroes fuck up and how they're like pieces of shit in real life. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're actually about to do uh, we've recorded one episode uh, for season one. We're going to do a season two episode on uh, Patreon. But yeah. yeah, like literally the best way I can sell the boys is if the, like exactly what cap said, if the justice league was in real life, mm-hmm. but still had the same games, movies, Movies, product placements, and they're run by an organization. Yeah, and they do all those things that you think about. <laughs> uh, exactly, it's like all the things. It's like, hmm. I wonder if Superman just had a really fucking bad day and just killed a tiny yeah. bit of a group of people. <laughs> well, in this series, guess what? This Superman kind of does, you know, that kind of shit. So it's like, it, it's really interesting on that front. Um, if you are being, in, if you're definitely being more critical of your viewing and like mm. kind of looking for little things. WandaVision is going to scratch that itch so good. (laughs) And the reason I say that, and this was what sold it to Cap because he wasn't sold at first, but I think he's getting into it a little bit more now, which was you see the promos for it. They're hopping through different decades. 
The one thing they did not make clear when they were originally talking about the series is when is this actually placed mm-hmm. in the timeline? Because we're getting prequel movies, we're getting movies kind of set in different mm-hmm. parts of the timeline, so they do, weren't clear as where WandaVision sat. A lot of people assumed this was what was going on while Wanda and Vision were on the run, then we caught up to them in uh, Infinity War. Yeah. That is not the case. This happens post Endgame. Mm-hmm. So why is Vision still around? He died. Mm-hmm. They explore that. And it gets really fucking cool. They start playing with like editing, like in the show and stuff like that. And it's like you can very much tell that Wanda is controlling things. Yeah. And like that. And it's it they're leading up to some big like comic book stuff. Like, do you know anything about House of M? Mm, no, I not really. Okay, so this isn't spoilers for the show, but it's going to be an interesting way that the MCU is going to move forward. A theory is in House of M, Wanda becomes so powerful that basically she can speak things in and out of existence. Mm-hmm. And she whispers, no more mutants. And that completely gets like wipes out the X-Men. Like that was a big storyline they okay. did. There, people are theorizing she's going to do the opposite in this series to bring x-men in uh-huh yeah. she's going to speak mutants into existence mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like and who knows how that's going to transpire but i think that's going to be the big lead in all this and mm-hmm. she's going to become more powerful and powerful maybe reconciling what's happened with vision because you kind of feel like she's losing her mind a yeah. little kind bit of plan in on what series. you were, kind of plan on what you brought up earlier how are people dealing with the folks that died yeah yeah in their exactly, lives and yeah. shit they're they're kind of exploring that with wanda mm-hmm. so i i'm very curious to see where they're kind of roll with this because that would be a very interesting way to bring in x-men because they've already confirmed fantastic four yeah it's like come on y'all you, you mm-hmm. got to do it now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's cool they don't let little things like that go even though it is kind of hard to keep up with all that and now do you feel like let, let's break this away a little bit do we feel bad for the main thing that at least cap and i had been excited for this year had been like Disney properties and like things that we're going to be able to stream and consume. It's like, it really feels like this last couple years, we're really falling into the pro consumerism thing. But at the same time with where we are as a nation right now, it's like, it feels more forgivable because that's like the only outlet anyone has right yeah, now. Yeah. I keep saying it's new Hollywood. Well, I think that's, I've got the opposite problem. And that's like I said, just it's hard for me to find the time to, get into something like the Mandalorian. And, and when I started doing the podcast last year, all of a sudden, you know, not only was, I mean, I will still work full time, so I've got to work. Yeah. But now when I get home, I've actually got something to do, something I can be creative and productive with. And mm-hmm. I think it's just taken me away from so much just watching TV. And, and you know while what? everybody else is just streaming everything. It's probably brought you closer to music, though. It has. It definitely has. So I, I think that winds up working as a positive, though. So like with your podcast, it's brought you closer to music, and you're diving into that more. Mm-hmm. I think the main reason maybe Cap and I have kind of been more excited about the streaming stuff is like because like through Patreon, we've got Couch Potatoes, yeah. so we kind of focus on comic book and movie things. So it's like maybe in the back of our heads, it's like the ooh, we need to stay semi updated on this so we can talk about it, that yeah. kind of thing. So maybe if we didn't have that aspect of the show and we maybe focused on more music centric things or wrestling centric or true crime, I feel like maybe I wouldn't pay as close of attention to it either. Yeah. Well, I, and I'll, I'll often think too, like if I had a girlfriend or a wife or something or a roommate, I'd probably watch a lot more TV, but mm-hmm. I just, when I'm watching TV by myself, I feel like I can be doing something more productive. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of times I just put something on the TV 
and it becomes background noise and it's something that I've watched a dozen times so yep. I don't have to pay attention to it. I do that a lot. But I can still look over at it and watch five minutes of it and laugh my ass off and then go back to what I'm doing. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, word. Since we all do that, what's a go-to? Because I have a feeling we all have like maybe a go-to as a background. My go-tos are either like Adult Swim, yeah. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is probably my, my number one go-to there. Mm-hmm. Um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Ooh, I'll put that, that, I'll put, that's I'll put a that good on a lot because I've, I've seen all those so many times I can just mm-hmm. put that on. Uh, but those probably those two right now. Yeah, I'd say uh, mine for YouTube at least. I can put on a good a good mythical morning playlist mm-hmm. and just kind of have just regardless of the episode. I don't care if I've seen it fifty times. It's one of those where it's like I can hear the moments and see it, and it's like yeah. I can still get my other stuff done. But when it comes to TV. Um, before we started doing the big retrospective, uh, King of the Hill was always one I could just put on in the background and just let it ride. Yeah. Cause that's always just a nice one. Well, I got used to like when I used to live in Carborough, I only lived there for a little less than a year, but, um, I'd put movies on cassette tape. So on my car ride back and forth, I'd listen to clerks or days oh, to confuse. Wow, that's really cool. And they were movies that I'd seen so many times that I'm listening to them you driving know exactly down the road. But I can picture the whole movie in my head. That's so I kinda awesome. got used to like having that background noise of movies and things yeah. a long time ago. I guess how it was with Star Wars and Forrest Gump of all movies too. Yeah. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> soundtrack with that soundtrack you knew exactly what was ha- what was happening. <laughs> No, and and I do find that interesting that, like, I found out that a lot more creative people specifically like having music or a different kind of piece of entertainment rolling while they're working. Mm -hmm. But, like, people that are just, and this isn't a negative, but, you know, there are just some people that enjoy consuming, you know, media and stuff like that, and they don't create it. Those are the people that seem to have a problem splitting the attention or paying it or hearing something in the background while doing something mm-hmm. they can get a little bit more flustered yeah, or yeah. maybe they're the ones that maybe turn down the radio while you start driving kind yeah, of yeah. thing where it's just like you know cap it's just like once we get on the interstate it's like crank it up you know it's like we need the music <laughs> to keep us rolling i wonder what that is about our brains that are kind of wired like that even when i'm editing a podcast where i've got to be listening to what people are talking about i've still got the tv on and it might mm-hmm. be the news or it might be always sunny in philadelphia but I'm not really paying attention to it until I take a break and then it's right there. And I'm like, and then sometimes I'll hear something to make me stop. Yeah. But I'm not like actively paying attention to it. I'm glad you said that. I thought I was just like half ass in my editing (laughs) or like not caring or paying attention because dude, I'll either do that or I'll actually, because I've got my uh, AirPods Mm -hmm. and, and I've got my big over the ears. I've actually put in my AirPod before to listen to music while I've got the big over the ears on and editing the podcast. <laughs> now, I haven't went that far. But. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll do that with a podcast in the background if I'm working on something for sure. I know we're in an, we're in an era where we have to have our entertainment while we're working because that's how I got through my office days. Yeah, you know I would put on I would OD on podcasts. You know, putting keeping up with my fucking shipping logs in the computer and shit. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just also just kind of keeps, especially at a day job scenario, just kind of keeps you a little grounded. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. helps you not think about being stuck at work. That's, all like, that's like me. When I go to, I, one thing I love to do at work is when there's nothing else going on, I just go wash dishes because I can put my music on yes. back there and just, just get lost. Dude, I've never, like, when I worked kitchen jobs, I never hated, like, having to do prep yeah. or do, ki- or, like, the dish or anything because, again, they didn't care if you had headphones on, if, mm-hmm. you, if you tucked it in your shirt. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I tuck them in my shirt, do it by, like, the, the uh, drummer thing where you do it, like, behind your yeah. back and shit. I was popping one of my earbuds start washing dishes just get lost in it and just jamming out to my music fuck it yep. <laughs> just uh, the best spot for like nobody has to ask me to do nothing nobody <laughs> gets to fuck with me today <laughs> 
Well, since we are trying to kind of make this year kind of the better year, it's like, at least for us personally, you know, we're going to try doing the episodes more weekly again and maybe going out, maybe talking with more some more folks. I mean, what is Gabba Gabba, huh, planning on doing kind of rolling into this year? Well, like I said, we'll just, I'll start off a little bit slow. Um, yeah. I just released an episode last week with Something Went Wrong from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be recording next week's episode, which will be next week when this is released. It'll hey. be two weeks from now. From now. <laughs> <laughs> but and, next and you're week's getting ep- better at the math having to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so next week's episode I'll be recording sometime later this week. Yeah. And then what will end up happening is I'll end up getting a bunch of interviews and I'll start putting them out weekly again. It yeah. just I'm just going to do a sort of a, a soft rollout to just to kind of try to finish up or tie up some ends on some of the projects I've got. But uh, definitely just going to try to interview more people from – I'm going to try to get some more bigger people. Yeah. Like, I'd like to get Super Chunk, mm, uh, Archers yeah. of Loaf, mm-hmm. bands like that. Um, probably the next person I'm going to have on there, I hope, is going to be Cliff Mann from – he was in Pipe and Bad Checks, but he mm-hmm. does solo stuff now. Um, but I'm going to try to like reach more outside of the Charlotte area because I started yeah. off with mostly my friend musicians. You know? yeah. let, me, let, me, let me pick all my friends. And here and there, I'd pick somebody else up or somebody I just met. Yeah. Um, but when I did my episode with John McClain last year, from, mm-hmm. he lives in Raleigh, was in Picasso Trigger, Ugly Americans. I realized that, hey, this is pretty easy, you know, just yeah. doing the Skype thing. Now, although the Skype thing does, or Skype or Zoom or whatever, it, it can be kind of annoying. Yeah. And there, there, there's drawbacks to it. But I talked to him like we'd known each other forever. I'm like, okay, so I finally hit that point to where now I really need to start reaching out to these people that. I just barely know or, you know, I'm fans of. Especially mm-hmm. if they have press contacts that just have their info yeah, up and, I've, and shit I've, like I've that. I've tried to contact Super Chunk and I haven't heard back from them, but I'm going to figure that one out. I, I've got to know somebody that knows them. Right. Oh, actually, I do know people that know them, so I just got to go that route with it. But yeah, I want to try to do some bigger things. And It's weird. I've done the same thing, man. It's like I've got like a – I don't want to say on the show, but it's like, you know, I've got a couple people that I was like – I could probably talk to the guy to get the guy to mm-hmm. talk to the other one and possibly maybe fingers crossed, you know, I could get a 30 minute interview, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've got a handful of those I can do, but it's just like, I still don't know if I'm ready to put myself in that spot yet. Yeah. Cause we did a tiny taste of it. Uh, we reached out to some of our um, Atlanta and Chicago friends last year, like um, Brad Roberts from uh, satanic panic and um, Micah from fast Eddie. Right. This uh, so, is just bands we played shows with, mm-hmm. you know, here and there. Yeah. yeah. So exactly what you're talking about. So it's just more, of just the acquaintance and you know hey we've done shows and we're still friends aren't we (laughs) kind of thing and of course yes but it that was a fun little way just to kind of dip our toe into kind of talking with people we don't really talk to all the time i don't know if i'm personally ready to really talk to someone that i've never really talked to before yeah yeah. i don't know that that just feels weird it was it was weird for me like the first couple of times yeah but i I got used to it pretty quick and i'm I'm you're a bigger man than me not gonna say that that it's still like something i really look forward to but i actually do look forward to to getting some of these people what you do is you get them when they're promoting something oh yeah Yeah. then they're really apt to do it (laughs) yeah um but like uh i've even got ideas to maybe get some people from outside the north carolina music scene some some bigger artists that that a lot of people would know um but it's just that's going to be a little bit down the road yeah and I'll tell you, man, uh, the, the one thing I've always appreciated about uh, your show is because you have focused on local. Um, it's like by default, of course, we've kind of anytime we have a guest, it winds up being local music by default, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've never really tried to pin ourselves on that. And we kind of talked about it last time you here. And it was mainly yeah. because, you know, I wanted to be able to do it justice. And I know I couldn't. So, like, that is I just re- want to reiterate again just how thankful I am for you to be able to do something like the magazine and a podcast mm-hmm. and and just really kind of focus on, you know, your North Carolina craft and you know i'm really happy you're kind of branching out you know reaching out to get some other folks because that's only going to help 
what you're initially trying to do even more because yeah. let's say you reach out to the super chunk folks you wind up getting them now the super chunk fans are seeing this big feed of people they've probably not heard of because yeah. they're you know local tiny charlotte bands like you know the Phillies or you know whoever else no one knows who the fuck we are but hey we're on the feed and it's like you know and now it's like queen city rejects and born heist and all you know no anger control all these amazing bands that are around here yeah. that you've been able to talk with all of a sudden a new audience gets to see so mm -hmm. it's like you've laid such a great foundation that reaching out to these larger bands now it's like you're going to be even doing more for the local scene yeah. <laughs> so it's like i'm very appreciative of people like you yeah. <laughs> and, I, and i'm hoping also to do like i talked about the archival project a little bit but also do like some like real short run cassette releases maybe some cd releases and stuff just of some stuff that's way long out of print like the stuff I was talking about earlier, Johnny Dick's old bands. I, I want to put some of that out. Oh, yeah. I'd love and, to hear uh, that. So that's one reason why I'm making my own copy of it is because, well, once I make my own copy, then I can make a bunch of copies of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we can sell like a handful of them, 10 or 15 or whatever. Yeah. And I think one of the other things um, that I feel like a lot more bands need to do that you're kind of doing, which is the archiving the audio thing and also getting it in a place where a lot of people can hear it. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about uh, releasing the cassette tape, you know, stuff digitally. So it's like, I yeah. would assume oh, yeah. like a Spotify or iTunes kind of thing too. So yeah. it's like, it makes it easier for the people to listen to it. And it's like, y'all, if you're in a band and you're thinking about doing digital release, Spotify distribution is cheap. Yeah. You know, it's a one-time fee. You know, it's like, it's cheaper than pressing CDs. <laughs> so it's like, just if, you, if you've if you got it, put it out there, especially if you like it. And that's why I'm really excited for that because mm. I want to check it out. You know, yeah. I love I mean, hearing those old demos of things. A lot of that stuff I go back and listen to, I'm like, man, this is really good music. You know, all the bands that, that I've, I listen to. Yeah, every now and then I across something that's like, ah, oh, that band was not that good. <laughs> it doesn't happen too often. Not, honestly, because we, we do have so much talent. There's always been so much talent in this area. That, exactly. that doesn't happen too often. And just getting it back out there. You know, the, the physical release is just because, like me and my friend Matt talked about, the, a lot of the stuff that we do, because he's got, we started Flaming Head Records, which was the Style and Johnny Appleseed's record label. Right. Never put out any records. We put out cassettes. <laughs> Although a record might be coming. Ooh. But, uh now I do Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Ooh, he does Sirena cool. Discos or Sirena Records which I guess we both like to look at as sort of subsidiaries of, of Flaming Head Records because yeah. it's just offshoots yeah. but yep. we, we talk about how we put out a lot of this stuff that's basically for our own enjoyment mm -hmm. and for the handful of people that are going to appreciate it so you know if I put 10 copies of an enemy cassette out there and Johnny Dick's old band there's going to be maybe 10 people that want to have a copy of it exactly. whether they listen to it or not but it'll also be online so you can go back and listen to it. Mm -hmm. Something that hasn't been available in 20 years. And that's something that I've always kind of appreciated too. I mean, and that exact man, mind frame is the same way that Danny from Hobo Wolfman Records runs it. Mm -hmm. He's just like, he's like, I do it because I want this to be released. He goes, and I would love to, for it to all be an under an umbrella and uh, be able to step back and go, you know what? These, all these bands were my friends and I helped them release all these records, yeah. you know? And it's just, I think those are the right kind of people to really get into it. Like, they do it for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. So no, I'm cheers to 2021 and we'll just we're hopefully between something good for you, Gabba Gabba Huh, Van Huskins, fill-ins, everything else, we'll actually be able to do a lot more creative shit this year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all need it. Yeah. I mean, we try to stay busy, you know, creatively with 
any outlet. So whether yeah. it's double double downing on your recording or your because podcasting, just you know, keep at it. And especially Van Huskins, y'all were doing it right. You were saying, you know, even though you can't go out and do shows, you've been writing. Yeah, right. It's like writing band, a bunch of songs. It's like bands <laughs> that aren't writing now. Right now, it's like y'all need to wake up and start, you know, rattling some chains. It's like <laughs> I think there are still some bands out there that just aren't ready to get back in the room together, and I, I kind of feel bad about that. You know, yeah. I, I wish everybody would take a little bit of a chance and. You know, there's ways to do it safely. Yeah, there, there's a difference between going to a crowded bar and meeting up with two or three of your friends that, hey, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? Have you been around people that do that? It's like you can run that quick little thing and, again, like you said, even be safe. You can still, Lord, can you not play with some masks on yeah, we, separately, you know, yeah. way separated in your room? I mean, we, We've shoot. done it, and, and I just say, you know, I guess – there's always a chance that you can catch it, of you know, even with two people in the room. But I go to work every day. And if I've got to go to work and take a chance of risking it there, yeah, I'm going to take a couple of hours out of my week to go have band practice. Exactly. It's like if, you, if you're going to risk it for a paycheck, at least risk it a little bit to give you some of that mental clarity. Yeah. And it's not as much of a risk me going to band practices as me going to work. And because so. you also know you're and it's the same thing like with my band, it's like. I don't have a bunch of idiots in my band. Mm -hmm. I don't have a bunch of people that are just like not washing their hands and just like licking doorknobs and shit. We're not going out and partying (laughs) or anything like that. Yeah, so it's like I even trust my bros so it's to the point where it's like, yeah, we've been writing. It's like I know Van Huskins are the same way. I I trust Eric. I trust everyone in y'all's band. So it's like anytime that any of us has felt a little bit off or anything, we've always been like, we're not doing it this week. Yep. You know, if we've had a scare, like – Somebody I work with got it. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody I work with got it until I get a test. We're not having band practice. Exactly. Yeah, just, just be smart about it. But be creative. Keep being creative. Cause yeah, and it's like Tony and I right now. I mean, I, I essentially work for him right now. He's one of my clients. But it's like there was one week he sent me a message one morning. He goes, hey, man, I've got a sinus infection, but I'm going to go ahead and get a test anyway. Just don't come mm-hmm. out today. Yeah. So it's like, and it wound up just being that. Like he's actually have he's scheduled for surgery in February to actually fix some issues with his nose. That's the rock and roll life. Yep. He, he wound up getting like busted in the nose one too many times. It shows to the point now where he has like major like sinus problems. Yeah. So he's like going to get it fixed. But that's what it led into. But he still didn't want to risk it because he has a young child. He mm-hmm. sees his dad all the time that is elderly and shit like that. So it's like, we all take it seriously. So I just wish that, again, like you said, more people would take it seriously and also feel comforted enough to do it responsibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So enough preaching at you. It's about time for us to <laughs> dig on into our Spotify playlist and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to? We were talking about country music earlier, and uh, I've been on a, and how I've been on a whaling kick. And in particular, I've been listening to his best record and one of my favorite country records period honky tonk heroes honk tonk heroes and that's the story of two people waylon jennings and the guy that wrote all the songs for him billy joe shaver who we lost in 2020 hmm. that's one of those records that i'd like to do a uh, so, uh you got to hear this on at some point all right it's pretty short it's you know kind of one of those records that defined the whole outlaw country movement of the 70s mm-hmm. that he and uh, willie nelson kind of were the forefront of but it's got all kinds of great songs again written by billy joe shaver including the title track ain't no god in mexico 
Uh, you asked me to, and uh, Ride Me Down Easy, one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> what was the last one? Ride Me Down Easy. It's, a, cow- <laughs> it's, a, it's a cowboy song. So. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's a beautiful song. And uh, if you like country music, and if you haven't heard Honky Tonk Heroes, fuck you. Ch- go check it out. <laughs> Very strong opinions on the captain over here. It is, it is one of those country music 101 records, too. <laughs> All right, Mike, what the hell is your recommendation? <laughs> what have you been listening to? So I've been listening to uh, End of the Century all week, but you'll, you'll hear more about that later. Yes. Because um, I, I don't want to talk about it now, but um, I mentioned him earlier, Clifton Lee Mann. He's playing in a band called Pipe. Mm-hmm. He's got a band called Bad Checks. They just put out a solo album. And it's one of those solo projects that you can listen to it and you can tell like all the songs were probably recorded at different times. Yeah. Some of them he probably recorded his own. Um, a lot of it sounds real like... Some of us reminds me of Hazel Adkins a little bit, like okay. some real crazy psychobilly kind of stuff, but um, just rock and roll. And yeah. it's uh, it's really good. It's called, uh, what's, what's, what's it called? Not For Sale slash 46. Hmm. And you okay. can find it on Spotify, but Clifton Lee Mann. All right. And uh, he's, uh, I, I don't think he plays in Pipe anymore. I think Pipe's got their original guitarist back. But, mm-hmm. um, I'll be finding out soon because I'll be talking to him soon. Hey. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I gotta love it. Teaser. Not, and uh, for me, I, I may have talked about this one on the show before, maybe on the live stream, but honestly, uh, and I, actually, I did mention this album specifically earlier in the show, but the No Fun Mondays record Billy Joe did. Mm-hmm. It's good. I've been yeah. really digging back into that one. And the reason for it is he picks songs that you've not heard a million covers of but they're songs that you know like for instance like he did a version of Manic Monday and it's really fucking good like you wouldn't think the song Manic Monday would turn into a pop rock song he fucking did it and did it really well and um, I think we're alone now Mm -hmm. Uh, did that one like a fucking dream and the one that surprised me and the reason it surprised me is I'm getting ready to duck all the punk rock bullets I'm not a big Clash fan (laughs) (laughs) but his version of police on my back Mm -hmm. is really fucking good and it's because he has that voice for it Mm -hmm. and and it's i enjoy it because he also um he pulls out a song called that's rock and roll and not a lot of people knew that one before but it was done by like i think it was um fuck and i had it right before i I said it it was some bubblegum pop artist from Mm -hmm. the 70s um i want to say he was like on one of the tv shows he had like the perfect blonde hair and all that shit um but either way it was just one of his songs and it's like you listen to it and it's like just it's like when you listen to the song uh we built the city on rock and roll Mm -hmm. you're like no you didn't if this is the song (laughs) representation you know you listen to that song and you're just like that's not rock and roll. That's just big band shit. Mm-hmm. But like he took it and made it like a bubblegum pop rock song. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of fun. And uh, one of the other ones I can really pull from it is Eric that, Carmen. That's the artist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And um, the other one they did, he covered that thing you do. I mm-hmm. loved that. <laughs> it's like of all songs, yeah. that thing you do. <laughs> I love that movie too. Great. <laughs> He does all kinds of fun power pop shit. He does a cover of uh, I'm Not That Way Anymore by Stiv Baders. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked all those songs he released. That was, that was, that was a good album. I played this yeah. record a lot at home during Christmas, and I uh, caught my mom and dad just kind of perking their uh, ears up at a couple of songs, yeah. going like, who's this? <laughs> and again, it just comes from everyone kind of shat on Billy for his vocal style. Me too, because I don't like the early Green Day. It's just very nasally and whiny. It feels like he's kind of changed his vocal style. Yeah. And it's a lot better, in my opinion. So One more bit of trivia. Do you know who wrote Manic Monday? Prince. Yes. Really? 
Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He wrote it and then sold it to uh, the Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why it's, uh, who uh, Susanna Hoff, uh, Hoff is. That's on the record with Billy singing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's at least my recommendation. So y'all can hate on it all you want. Not y'all that's at the table. Not y'all I, at the table. I'm but a the Green listeners. Day fan, so <laughs> it's a, it's a, just a solid, just good record. If you just like power pop kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've been falling into that lately. So it just it tickled that part of the fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> But as Mike said, uh, if you are definitely interested in hearing a little bit more, for only a dollar a month, you can sign up to our Patreon and you get two extra shows a week, The Couch Potatoes and You Gotta Hear This. And Mike's going to be on there doing uh, End of the Century and probably... Your episode will probably come out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now that I'm kind of thinking about yeah, it. for this week. <laughs> yeah, so your episode will come out tomorrow on the Something Good Network. So if you guys want to hear it, just sign up for only a dollar a month. Jesus, you're getting like six shows a month for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> come on now. Like I said, we doubled down on Patreon content. We doubled down. You're going to love it, folks. So definitely just tune in. Enjoy that. Um, we're going to do a lot more, I feel, with that in the future. And if you like what we're doing here, again, sign up for the Discord. It's a really fun way for us to stay connected with everyone. We don't like Facebook that much. We do it out of necessity. <laughs> but our friends are in Discord, and that's where we chat and hang out. So if you like it, click the link in the bio. Sign up. It's like the old AOL chat room days of old. And keep up with uh, Discord for any upcoming projects and things like that, yeah, too. Because we kind of tease those if you uh, follow us already. Yes. Actually, this is the only time we might mention it, but we are going to do a secret project this year, and we might enlist the help of our Discord members to help with that. So secret, secret, secret. I, I want to do a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, again, thank you so much for joining us and definitely check out the Gabba Gabba Ha podcast and Zine. And you've got your own Patreon too. Yep, where, and you can go to gabagabaha.com. Oh, so you bought the donate. Yeah, so you Gabagabaha.com is a website. Um, you, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you stream your music, Where, yeah. wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Patreon is patreon.com slash gabagabahan, I think, or is it gabagabahan.patreon.com? No, it would be dot com slash. So, yeah, this yeah. is a slash gabagabahan. Look in the description, I'll yeah. put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, definitely sign up for his because, again, if you, because honestly, if you enjoy a little bit of what we do here, um, Mike does a very good job at actually doing interviews. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the Patreon stuff is usually, it's, it's leftover stuff from the interviews, and I usually have quite a bit. Like some, some episodes I'll have one or two bits, but sometimes I've got almost an hour worth of stuff. Those, those, those are shoot interviews. <laughs> and I'll tell you, some of those little tidbits are my favorites. Like mm-hmm. the ones uh, like with John Bowman. Yeah. Uh, some of those you cut that you just did like the extended unreleased bits on Patreon. Yeah. Oh my God, the two of y'all together are just fucking <laughs> hilarious. I want John to come back and do another episode with you soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, me and John, are, he's already talking to me about doing another episode. Good, Every, good, as soon good. as we finish one, he'll be like, man, I want to do another one soon. Like, right. I want to get him back on this show real bad too. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough shameless self-promotion from all of us here. Cap, do you have a damn outro for us? Fuck Paul Stanley and his soul station. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.